Can you hear me now? Fantastic. Hey, we are in week two of Christmas stories. And last week we dove headfirst into one of the characters. And every week we'll be um, diving into a character from the Christmas story because it's often that we treat these characters as like robotic stock characters because you're making the nice nativity scene and you're playing it out in your head and everything's beautiful with the garland and the lights up above and, and porcelain figures. But these are people with flesh and bone and reality. And so we're diving into some of those stories, asking the larger question, what type of life do you want? And so last week, we jumped into Mary. And Mary's story is really about trust. Can we trust God's plan, God's goodness? There was this invitation within it for all of us to essentially become Mary, the beloved of God, to become pregnant with God's kingdom and bring it with us wherever we find ourselves. And so, um, anybody know the Spanish word for pregnant? Embarzada? Did I say it right? How do you say it? Embarazada. Sounds like embarrassed, but it doesn't mean embarrassed. It means pregnant. And I heard somebody say something that the Spanish version of that actually is more like a bearer of light. Is this true? I don't know. But it sounds really cool. And so I thought I would just share that because I I think trusting the question or trusting God's character is one of those foundational things that we get to ask, can we trust God's goodness moving forward? And the only way to trust is to give trust away with our actions. And so um, with that in mind, I want to jump into another character this week. And it's a little bit harder character for me because it's a little closer to home. But it's the character of Joseph. And with Joseph, there's this question about faith. Luckily, we don't have to ask what does faith mean because the scripture gives us a definition of faith in Hebrews uh, chapter 11, verse 1. It says, now faith is the confidence of what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. The confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see. I like to say it like this. When things seem off, right? We're not living the life we want. This isn't where we saw ourselves five years ago. The plan did not work out. Um, We don't believe in our government or our ability. When things seem off, we have a different place to put our hope. Anybody struggle with faith? Interestingly enough, I think not only do we all struggle with faith, but the very name for God's people, Israel, means struggling with faith and wrestling with God. It's embedded into kind of the, 
the very personage that we are. So here's what I want to do. I want to read the scripture together. We'll read through it um, from Matthew chapter 1. And then we're going to go and kind of break open the character of Joseph. Would that be all right with everyone? And we'll kind of see where that leads us this morning. Everybody good? So you can jump on the screen or you can jump on wayfinders.info. If you click on the message notes in Kyle Community, um, you can follow along. You can even write your own notes and email them back to you later. It's pretty cool. So here we go. This is how Jesus, uh, excuse me, the origin of Jesus the Messiah was like this. His mother was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. I love this. I I didn't know enough about... Joseph. What we know, right, that most people know that seems obvious is that he was a carpenter, right? So I started imagining what type of person Joseph was. I apologize. Let's see if we can get that off. And He's clearly a man of high faith, high integrity. Nazareth, the city where they live, is on the northern edge of Israel. And in fact, parked just outside Nazareth is a giant Roman soldier training ground. The people of Israel and the people of Galilee were shunned by the rest of the country, because that's where the empire invaded. And those people rolled over like, well, let's just say like a termite-ridden log. They were like dust. They didn't stand up. They gave up. And now the empire, just outside their doors, is basically essentially, training all of their soldiers that are ultimately going to take away the livelihood of God's people. And if Joseph was a carpenter, I don't know about you guys, but how many of you guys got sucked into what your parents were doing on a day-to-day basis? Right? 
I did. Whatever dad was doing, I was doing. Wherever mom and dad went, I was drug along. So I can just imagine Jesus and Joseph working in their workshop together. Figuring out how to put things together. And maybe they were working on a table. Maybe something like this one. I don't know. I don't know what they built. But I could just imagine Joseph calling out to Jesus saying, hey, go help me in the workshop. And when you're helping your parents, there's these side conversations that just begin to grow. I could just foresee a day where Jesus comes home and he's helping dad in the workshop. He throws it down and he's like, enough is enough. I can't make another table for these Roman soldiers. I don't even know why we are serving them. We're making furniture for their outpost. We're we're serving the empire. And Joseph, in a calm voice, maybe turns to him and says, Son, you, you don't understand. You don't know the reason why we're here. We're not here because of the empire. We're here because we've been on the run from the people of God. And if our own people would stand up and do the right thing, we'd be at a different spot. Jesus probably looked at him and said, what do you mean? And like all conversations with a nugget of truth, it probably went something like this. Have I told you the story of how you were born? And then he might have started recounting to him, well, um, I knew your mom. She was cute. She was down the street. And uh, my family and her family, they came together. We made this arrangement. And, you know, you... Your mom was just this cute girl, and, and so it worked out, and, and we got engaged. And, you know, like every parent, it's like back in the old days when we walked uphill both, both ways in the snow. You know, back in our day, our parents arranged these things, and he proceeds to tell them what it was like to be engaged. And then he gets to the part where one day, your mom came over to the house bawling, And she looked up at me, and I said, what's wrong? She said, I'm pregnant. And I'm not a dummy. I know what that means. And she proceeded to tell me that it was God's doing, and somehow the Holy Spirit caused her to get pregnant. But I know how pregnancies work. I'm not crazy. But I'm a man of integrity, son. And you're going to be a man of integrity to do what's right. And what's right was not what the law said because then she would have been stoned. I don't want to do that. She deserved better than that. The baby inside her deserved better than that. So I was just going to quietly divorce her so that she could go on with her life and I could forget the whole ordeal. And then 
I had the world's craziest bad pizza dream. I was dreaming. And this angel appears to me in the dream and says, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what she's pregnant with is from God. It's from God. And then I remembered that passage that the prophet Isaiah told us a long time ago. The prophecy that would somehow beat out governments and empires. The prophecy of the coming God that would make everything right. The prophecy of the Messiah. And it said the virgin will give birth and they'll call him Emmanuel. God fully present with us. Look at verse 24, if we could put that on the screen. Verse 24 says, when, Jesus, when, when Joseph, everybody say it with me, woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Can you imagine that conversation with your son? Hey, I woke up after this crazy dream and I decided it was going to be okay. That you were a miracle baby. And you know what? There were a lot of ups and downs, and we ended up in Bethlehem, and, and it was crazy how we got there, and how you were born was absolutely bananas. It was nuts. But son, I woke up that day more than just from a dream. I woke up spiritually. I woke up emotionally. I woke up to what God was actually promising. Church, here's the thing. Faith requires us to wake up to God's promise about who we are. Think about that. Faith requires us to wake up to God's promise about who we are. Joseph was this man of super high integrity. And yet, this word wake up, in, in a second we're going to explore it because it means so much more than just woke from sleep. It's a waking up to all of God's promises about who we are. And can you imagine when he got into the rest of the story? You guys know what happens when you flip the page into Matthew chapter 2. In Matthew chapter 2, as the story goes, the Magi, you know, we, see, we, we say three kings in the song and we think three of them because they bring three gifts, but it doesn't actually say how many there were. The Magi, these powerful men from far eastern countries, show up on their doorstep saying, hey, a light appeared about two years ago. And we've been following that star. We've been tracking it in the sky because we're expert navigators like that, just like you do. And all of the prophecies of old have come true. And we believe there's a baby who's the true king born here. And Joseph remembers that dream about this little boy 
And all of a sudden, it becomes real for him. My boy? This little squawk? This little toddling nightmare? Bundle of joy? They're two, so terrible twos, right? I, I mean, can you just imagine these powerful men show up unannounced at his doorstep saying, no, no, wait, there's these prophecies about the true king of the Jews, the one who's going to make all governments not necessary, the one who's going to make all wrongs right, the one who's going to restore justice and order and peace. Now, you can imagine Joseph, a carpenter, in a place where everything he makes is like triple taxed by the empire. You can imagine there's like a Star Wars, like, we got to hide this from the man kind of like shielding happening because if the empire were to find out, what would happen? And I could just, I, I can't even fathom him telling Jesus this story about these men that showed up on his doorstep with gold and frankincense and myrrh, gifts that you give kings. But that's not even the end of the story. The Magi sensed that the leader of Israel, who they stopped at his house first, was highly insecure about his kingship. And so um, at Herod's house, he said, trying to trick them, hey, if you find the baby, tell me where he is so I can go worship him too. And I... I don't know about you, but the Bible doesn't give a whole lot of details on stories, so I like to imagine it like a movie. And I could just maybe sense like one of the wise men, hey, Joe, Joe, because no one would call him Joseph, that's just crazy. Joe, come here. Yeah, um, you're king, Herod, no, no, not the baby, Herod, track with me. Herod, yes, he's a little bit unstable. He's a little off his rocker. Could be why he's taxing you and creating the world's most expensive castle. He was bragging about it. I'm sorry you're starving. Yeah, I, no, listen, we brought these gifts. Joseph, track with me. He's a problem. We're going to go home a different route. And if I were you, I would get out of here. This is my home. I got a two-year-old. I'm not going anywhere. That's just crazy. Can you, just with me for a second, imagine him retelling this story to Jesus as a teenager, saying, your birth wasn't the end of the story. God's promised king, and you were this miracle birth, and then these crazy people from the east showed up with these gifts for a king. And when I went to bed that night, that angel that warned me the first time not to give up on Mary came to me and said, you got to get out of here. And while I didn't want to go, and while I had to smuggle you out, think about God's promise. He provided all of the things necessary to smuggle you out with safe passage, flee to another country, and live for 10 years. 
That's the estimated amount of income that was dropped by these magi to this poor family So Joseph woke up. And then in verse 14 of chapter 2, after the second dream, it says this. So he got up. Everybody say, got up. Took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt where he stayed until the death of Herod. Herod got a little crazy and sent men to kill all the boys three years old and younger. And they just missed them because of Joseph's faith. See, faith invites us to get up, to act when things seem most bleak. If last week was about trust, faith has this element of trust in it. But it's something more. I want to teach you the word, and it's repeated. Got up and wake up are the same word in Greek. And so I want you guys to learn this word. It's not going to be on the screen but I just want you to hear it. Egiro. Everybody say Egiro. Egiro. One more time. Egiro. It could mean to stand up from a sitting or lying down position. It could mean to wake up from sleep. But it also means to bring back from death to awake the most inner parts of our soul. And I got to wonder if while he's building this table and he's saying the reason we're at the edge of the empire, at the edge of our country, is not because we were running from the Romans, but because our own people didn't want to accept this promise. And the story, as things got more and more true. Well, it wasn't like I expected. And there were moments where I had nothing left but blind faith. Um, I want to, we're just going to skip forward to something. Our mind's picture, our mind's picture of God doesn't always match who God actually is. Think about that. Your image or picture of God doesn't always match up with who God actually is. The people of God had been expecting this prophecy to become true for a very long time. For a very long time. The prophecy remained silent. And do you know how, like, when you think about something long enough, 
you start putting like your own spin and expectation on things. Anybody been there? Um, I definitely did. Like when I got married, like I imagined what married life was going to be. It's totally not what I imagined it to be. It was way better, way better, but not what I imagined, right? And when I imagined taking my first job or getting my car for the first time or what I would do after graduating college and how I would start my career. Like, you imagine these things, and they don't always pan out the same way that you imagine. I think this is true with God. And so the people of God had been waiting for this promised Messiah for a long time. But putting your own spin on it meant that people were looking for a king to come with an army to kill off the empire so that they could have their own country back the way that they wanted it. We do that today, right? We say, if this country could only get back to whatever golden era you're magically making up as to be a golden era, first of all, there's no way back, and that era wasn't so golden. It's just rose-colored glasses looking back. We... We do this with all kinds of things. So they would imagine God's promised king coming as a military leader. They would imagine him coming as a government leader. And here Joseph had to deal with this idea that God was coming as his son. As a baby? What? That I have? to somehow be responsible to raise? Are you kidding me? That's, that's near impossible. But he woke up to God's promise. And so Herod, misguided by his own expectations, was somehow in his emotional state, highly threatened by the idea that there would be another king that would usurp his kingdom. And so he sends to kill all of these innocent kids trying to find out the one. Can you imagine hearing that soldiers are coming to kill your boy? Not just any boy, but God's promised boy who just received all these gifts from these crazy people in the East confirming that he was the one chosen as a king? I imagine it seemed pretty bleak. And then all of a sudden, he woke up. God provided everything they need to smuggle him out of the country and care for him until the time to come back. Now, what I love about this is it shows us the picture of disappointment when our version of God isn't the actual thing. Anybody else disappointed when you don't get exactly what you want? And so it's our responsibility in faith to shift our perspective, right, to the reality. People were disappointed. And by the way, disappointment with God isn't uncommon. 
Anybody here not been disappointed by God at some point? Right? Disappointment with God isn't uncommon. The promise that they were living in of what this child would be, they were seeing this promise as an external peace from physical enemies. But an external peace is just symptoms of real peace. When our assumptions don't match, faith invites us to shift our perspective toward God. The second thing is this. Our disappointment, our heartache, it doesn't mean that the God dream is dead. God had already provided all the resources necessary for the next step. Doesn't mean it was easy. Doesn't mean there weren't loads of questions. But it's always there. Um, it ends in chapter 2. It ends with Joseph having heard from the angel that Herod was dead and making their way back to Israel. But instead of going to their home, they end up in Nazareth, which is on the edge of their own country, the stock house for the empire. My guess is he was afraid of Herod's son who had taken power. That would be a real fear for me as a dad. And so it's kind of like, we're going to hide this promise in plain sight. Maybe sometimes that's what God does. He hides promises from us in plain sight. In fact, the, the writer of Matthew does like a wink and a nod. And I imagine Joseph caught this at some point. Because the prophecy uh, in Isaiah ultimately moves from that verse in chapter 7, which was, you know, he'll be called Emmanuel, God with us. By the time you get to end of chapter 9, um, the prophet in Isaiah says that this promised Messiah would be the stump or the root of Jesse, meaning from the line of King David. And the word for stump or root is the word Nazarion in Greek. And so to be from Nazareth is like a, a pun, right? It's like a wink and a nod. He's the shoot. He's called the Nazarene, which is what twig means, right? A carpenter from Twigland. Wink, nod. See, the text is rich with all these images. Our disappointment doesn't mean it's the end of the God dream. Throughout scripture, we see that God is working in ways that don't always make sense, in ways that we don't quite always understand. He gives a promise and he confirms it. And maybe there's miracles that happen in your life. And by the way, that's probably happened. God said, I want this for you. I, I want you to be free from addiction. I want you to be free from sin. I want you to be into this life. And you probably have, if you're following Christ, experienced miracles along the way. But every time those 
really big miracles happen where one of our loved ones gets healed or something happens, then there's also all these other questions that make us instantly forget and doubt and question and have all the real emotion back up into the picture. But every time God plans something big, when there appears that his plan has changed, in those times, it's up to us to trust God's promise and believe he will come through even when you no longer see how it's possible. By the way, that's faith. You may not see how it's possible. God's promise for your life, God's promise for this season, God's promise for our world. You may look around and say, well, the military can't win this battle. The government is not going to win this thing. All I have is brokenness. You may not see how it's possible. But it's like this. And I want to invite the the band to come back up for us. It's like this. When God wants to fulfill a promise, it's in God's own timing and in God's own way. It's not because God is fickle or he wants to mess with us, although sometimes it feels that way, right? Anybody felt that way before? But God has a bigger purpose for his promise than what appears at face value. See, if God had come as a military ruler or a government ruler, there would have been something that happened. But God's promise of the world being made right wasn't just about those systems. It's about what's going on in our hearts and in our souls. More happens than just the fulfillment of a promise. And here's the truth, guys. When God makes a promise to you, there is always a deeper purpose to it. Always. Always. And when the promise gets removed from your sight, it doesn't mean it's gone. It means God is working on it. dream that Joseph has where an angel says this is that kid the virgin giving birth the one making all things right the one everybody's been talking about and waiting for in the shadow of the empire and you are going to be the one to tend to it and raise it That's a promise. And just in the retelling of this story, I imagine Joseph sitting with Jesus at a table that they had made, having put it all together with a finished product, saying, son, don't you get it? Don't you get it? I woke up that day. God's promise Awaken my soul to 
the reality of you all. Jesus means the Lord's salvation. You are here to save us. Not from the empire. Yeah, you'll do that too. Not from our government. You'll do that too. But you're here to save us in the deepest parts of our hearts, of our souls. Because when I woke up that day, it wasn't just from a dream. I woke up to the reality of God's promise for my life being present and available. Now, the expectation that you put in your life and on God may not match up to the reality. And so faith invites us to wake up to that reality and shift our perspective to match who God actually is. God isn't a genie where you rub the lamp and you get what you wish. God isn't even Santa Claus where we keep our list of who's naughty and nice and get rewarded for our good behavior. In fact, God crosses things off the list because he leads with forgiveness. And so in faith this morning, I want to invite each and every one of us to wake up to wake up to the calling that God has put on your life. Maybe you've never trusted in a God that would forgive you. Maybe you've never trusted in a God that has a picture of redemption for our world because all you know is brokenness. Because your job lets you down. Relationships let you down. Government lets you down. People let you down. Church lets you down. Your disappointment doesn't mean the end of God's dream. When Herod was killing all those babies, I imagine it was really hard for Joseph to have faith. But just like those provisions provided to make a way for them, God has provided a way for you and me. And that's the little baby that promised Jesus. So I don't know what challenge you're facing in your life today where you need faith to enter in where you need to be awakened to God's promise maybe it is a relationship maybe it's a physical thing maybe spiritually you've just been dead I want to invite you to wake up I want to invite you to get up because the promise The thing that's taking place, God wants to do something even bigger. When you don't see it, something deeper is at work, and God is preparing something for you. So would you take a step of faith this morning? Take a step of faith like Joseph and say, I don't know how I can raise this kid. I don't know how I can take that lady as my spouse. I don't know how God's going to fulfill this promise. I don't know how we're going to hide you from the empire and from our own country. I don't know how that relationship's supposed to work. I don't know if I'm going to get a job. I don't know if I can trust that God is going to be good. 
I'm going to choose to have faith because when it's out of my view, the God dream is still at work. Would you stand up? We're going to sing a little chorus called Wake Up. I just invite you to a giro in God's presence. Sing this chorus along with them, and then we'll pray together. Hands up, hands up, all the 